Well, hello. Now, today's episode is going to be a little different because it's just me today talking to you, debriefing 2021 while looking ahead to 2022. Now, I believe reflecting on the year is essential. You can rush into the future and miss important data. Now, I know many of you know this about me, but I am all about collecting data, all of it, the good, the bad, the hard, and and really what I call data is just kind of looking at it, even the face down experiences are the really exciting ones or the good ones and just looking at it as data. So even the seemingly inconsequential data points, I'd like to see the patterns and growth and check to see how I've grown and what I want to leave behind and what I want to bring with me into the new year. I definitely look at my falls and struggles and victories as data, again, because they don't define me and they don't define you. I'll be honest, my end of the year reflection has evolved over the years. I did not always see reflection as valuable and I used to avoid it at all costs, rushing into the new year, trying to brush by and fix the hurts and frustrations of the year before with big plans and lots of big promises to myself and others. I used to hate looking back because it felt so cringy. (laughs) All I wanted to do was look forward. And in many ways, it was just running away from the discomfort of mistakes or falls and feeling sadness from the good times that passed and really missing out on the richness of learning and embedding, uh, again, the data that I could take away from a life well lived. And I also used to rush past reflecting because it was too uncomfortable and too awkward for my system. And I missed the chance to find the best next steps for me and my family and my work through the calm, clarity and confidence that comes up from self-leadership. So now for me, taking the time even into January, the new year, to truly reflect can lead to even some unburdening. That beautiful liminal space in the in-between of the years can be overrun with expectations and comparison and feeling inundated with promises and what we need to do or buy to make next year the best year ever. Well, what I would say is protect this time, protect what you're consuming, protect what gets into that amazing brain and heart of yours and honor the dreams and desires you have for the upcoming year by taking the time to collect the much needed data that will help you download what is in your head and heart into a lived experience that will help you and no doubt benefit the world. As I said before, there's this power in this magical space. And and I know that for many of you, this time of year may not be a pleasant one. And I still encourage you to gently look back as you dare to look forward and and be tender with yourself as you navigate and prepare a path that's intentional and self-led instead of reactionary. I'm Rebecca Ching, and you're listening to The Unburdened Leader, the show that goes deep with leaders whose burdens have inspired their life's work. Our goal is to learn how they've addressed these burdens, how they rise from them, and become better and more impactful leaders of themselves and others. All right, so let me jump in. And of course, a reflection would be remiss without saying what I'm grateful for. Y'all, I am grateful for the authors and the producers and the directors who all told good stories through movies and shows and music. It is 
It is just like a lifeline to me. (laughs) I have no problem sitting with really hard things, navigating struggles, crises, strategies, all of those things, sitting with my kids, supporting them, you know, (laughs) sitting with and standing up and with and for my colleagues. But sometimes I need a break. And it's so therapeutic for me to lose myself in the well-told story. And I'll get into some of my favorites in in a moment. I am... Oh, I'm immensely grateful for my clients, those who have entrusted their dreams, their hearts, their stories with me. I do not take that for granted. I am really biased and I work with some of the most amazing humans and it is it is a joy to get up each day and rumble with them on how they want to heal, to grow, uh, refine and strengthen. And I'm really grateful for those I get to work with who support me doing what I do. I have to give a major shout out to my production team at Yellow House Media, founded by Sean and Tara McMullen. They have pushed me to, it shifted how I do my time. I'm a better writer. I'm a better conceptualizer of things. And this show has brought me so much joy, even though it's a lot of work and I've loved learning and getting out of the roles that I've been in for years. So I'm so grateful for them and what they do in this world, just who they are. They're incredible humans. My VA, Lorena, if you work with me or have ever interacted with me on our project, then you have had the fortune of connecting with Lorena, who is kind, generous, thoughtful, detail-oriented. She helps me breathe. (laughs) (laughs) helps things move along and really supports those I work with with such excellence and care. I'm thankful for my accountant. I really don't enjoy numbers. I like organizing them kind of, but the numbers that she does. And there's been a lot of stuff I've needed her help with the last year plus. And she has just rocked it for me. When I needed something, she would turn it around quickly. And that just helped things move forward with my business so we can make decisions and get things done. So very grateful for her. I am so grateful for my friends and colleagues, especially the ones who took the time to speak truth and love to me, laugh with me, challenge me and cheered me on. Having that combination of people who will actually take the time to let you know that you hurt their feelings or you missed you messed up, but who also will laugh with you and believe in you enough to challenge you and also just cheer you on and celebrate you. That That's rare. And I'm fortunate to have a handful of those folks in my life and they made this year. So Allison, Kim, Natalie, so many more. Thank you. I so value you. I know I'm not alone with this one coming up. So when sheltering happened and the kids were schooling from home, my husband was working from home, extroverted me was like, this is amazing. And it was a lot. And it really was for our family, we needed that reboot that we needed that turning towards each other time. But like when we were hitting summer this year, my nervous system was shot. My extroverted parts were like tired of being extroverted, recharging with people around. And I was having a hard time just really feeling the jarring nature of not getting into flow with work, especially the creative work that I love to do. And so I'm grateful for their transition back to school and and how well they did. And it was hard in some ways. It was quite jarring, but I just saw them really rise up to it. I'm grateful to live in San Diego. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Minnesota. I've lived in the East Coast of New York and D.C. I've lived in Switzerland. 
San Diego is unlike any place I've ever lived. It still feels a little like magical, surreal to me. But to be able to be by the water, to wear flip-flops all year round, which I never thought was a thing. (laughs) I am also, I'm immensely grateful for my husband. We are celebrating our 17th wedding anniversary at the near the time of me recording this. And as a child of divorce, I went into marriage nervous. Wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And I met Gavin and the rest is history. (laughs) And we are so different too. We are ridiculously different, but there was just something in me that, that knew that something was different about Gavin and I needed to pursue a relationship with him. And I'm fortunate that we continue to fight for each other and fight for our family. Just really grateful for how he loves me too. the things that maybe the messages of the world that, you know, you're too much, you're too ambitious, you're too talkative, (laughs) you're too excited. And those are the things that I know he was drawn to me initially. And it's, it's a treasure to have that reflected back. I am also grateful for my backyard this year. It really became a space of refuge, expanded my gardening as we started feeling comfortable having people come over watching movies outside. It just became a space that brought me a lot of joy. I'm also grateful for my health and my health care. The last six months, I've been catching up with appointments that I missed during the shutdown and was continually humbled by the access to excellent care, all the doctors I get to see, all the support that I have, and made me more aware of how we need to make sure that this isn't something that is hard to access for everybody. And I am also really grateful for my dogs. If you listen to the show, you've heard them on the show, particularly Teddy, who has been an unintentional (laughs) co-host with me. We rescued him in March of this year. And I mean, this dog, he is a hoot. His, his full name is Teddy Roosevelt Ching. And we've got Abigail Adams Ching. She's a multi-poo. We think Teddy is like a Havanese terrier, maybe poodle mix. And he is spicy. He is adorable. He barks like at everything. There's just something about him that has brought me so much joy. And uh, if you follow me on social media, you may have seen some pictures of him and you'll see why. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move over to some celebrations and victories. I had some really significant business milestones, opportunities to work with people, expanding my offerings, a deepening of who I work with and what I do, and really just felt the fruits of that this year. This is the first year of 100% telehealth, and it worked and really grew and doubled my coaching consulting business. I'm really celebrating my IFS trainings. I wrapped up my fourth training as a program assistant, a PA serving on leadership teams, continue to work on the advanced training program and just super stoked about that work and what I'm learning. I've had a lot of mini milestones for this podcast in terms of episodes and downloads. And so super, super thrilled. I've had reporters reach out to me from publications like USA Today and again, got to interview some incredible guests here. So lots of celebrations for sure.
Favorite memories of this year. Okay, we I took my first two-week vacation. I don't even know when the last time I took two weeks together, which is sad. We went to Tahoe. I'm you know, I'm from Minnesota. Lake life is in my bones. I lived in Switzerland. I got to, you know, had a beautiful place where I could see the lake and the Alps and just sitting in this clean water <clears throat> and seeing the mountains and and exposing my kids to lake life. And I love the ocean. I love, love, love it. But it there's just something different about lake life. And if you know, you know. And so Tahoe just became this magical place with the big trees and the pine cones and just things I don't see here in San Diego that are so a part of my history and my story. Another favorite memory is when my son's little league came back in person. We The season got cut short right at the beginning. I confess I was really nervous because I hadn't really seen people. I didn't know, you know, there's so many controversies, right? So many tensions. It was just lovely. And it was so good to see people again and hear the crack of the ball in the bat and see my son grow. He made all-stars this year and just see him come into his own through that sport. My husband was an assistant coach and just that was just incredible. It's an incredible neighborhood experience. Seeing Alanis Morissette's 25th anniversary Jagged Little Pill Tour, I, words will not do it justice. The music, the video montage that she created, it was like, you know, 25 year old me was there with me singing these songs that just. I mean, I saw her live 25 years ago too, and it it was just. It was magical. It was powerful. It's, it was. It just was. Tra- it tran- transcending. I turned fifty this year. I guess it's a milestone too, a celebration. <laughs> and it was just the sweetest celebration. I feel like I'm a birthday month kind of gal. I drag it out as much as I can. I love birthdays, my my own and others. I love celebrating them. But my day, birthday and day in particular, which just really stuck out to me, I went to the beach in the morning. And I was getting emails and texts and phone calls and I'd gotten packages and cards from people I've known since elementary school to recent friends and was so humbled and grateful. And so now I have this sense of excitement um, about what's ahead. I have lots of favorite memories about the experience on the internal family systems advanced training program I've been on. I Again, just listening, learning, growing, <laughs> laughing, crying really trying to transform what it means to lead in a way that is deconstructing and dismantling. And I've learned through uh, my colleagues, again, Kim Paulus, Natalie Gutierrez, Crystal Jones, and then the leaders, my gosh, Tony Herbine Blanks, who was with us for the first section, um, and Pam Krause and Tamala Floyd. There is something very sacred and special to be trained by female leaders who are super committed to your success, do not hesitate to challenge you. And it doesn't feel like this competition scarcity thing. And so I'm just treasuring that along with deepening my IFS practice. I think some other favorite memories are seeing my daughter really own her story and advocate for herself with courage and confidence as she deepens really owning her autism you know, knowing that autism is a part of her, it's not all of her, what it means to her navigating a world that's not really accommodating to those with neurodivergence. And 
what what are things that are important for her to advocate when she's in spaces where she doesn't have a lot of folks who experience the world the way she does, how to navigate the exhaustion of masking and being who she thinks everyone wants her to be versus really starting to lean into, I'm going to be me, you take it or leave it. And it's been pretty amazing to watch her. The shelter and the shutdown was hard. And getting back to school was the best thing for her. She, like me, is also an extrovert, very social and gets a lot of input just being around people. She's over eighth grade, y'all. She's over it. She's like, I hate school. And I'm like, no, I just think you hate eighth grade. And I, I think that's a universal thing. And she's like, it's uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah, eighth grade is uncomfortable for everybody. (laughs) So I've just, I've appreciated though, walking with her, being 13 is hard. I think being a female on the spectrum with everything going on in the world who is socially aware, she's really trying and, and she calls me up and calls me in too. And it's just an honor to be her mom. All right, I want to do a quick run of some of my favorite movies and shows. If you've seen Hacks on HBO Plus, Gene Smart was magnificent. This, the writing, the acting, the dynamic, how they addressed ageism and power and greed and just the hustle and the grind. It was so well done. Kate Winslet in Mare of Easttown. That show was magnificent. Also HBO Plus, I believe really strong women that were real and not like edgy real to act. I know she really fought to portray her character in certain ways and just it was grateful. Okay. Captain obvious one here, Ted Lasso. I mean, did not think season one could be topped season two. I was like, where is this going? And then it went there and I was blown away at the beautiful way they addressed the deep pains of being human and the struggles of asking for help and love and commitment and team camaraderie and complexities of love and commitments. It was stunning. Again, tick, tick, boom. We just watched this. And I lived in New York and got to see the first run of Rent and was fascinated with the guy who wrote this play he died like days before the show went on broadway had a sudden just a a sudden health scare and died and that shook me in my early mid-20s like you work so hard for something and you never get to see it and i remember even just kept i would wander into the rent bookstore on broadway and just read these books about him and just all that he did and what that show represented and so this show was about him stepping in and really committing all in to what he was made to do on this earth. Andrew Garfield was amazing. The whole cast was amazing. I mean, lots of singing and dancing, musicals I I love. So it's a really just that that, that, that touched me deeply. Another movie that took me days to really recover from, but not because it was bad. It just stayed with me. was Violet starring Olivia Munn. The amazing, the incredible Justine Bateman. Yes, that Justine Bateman. She wrote and directed it. Olivia Munn starred in it. And it literally was this beautiful demonstration of the externalization of our protectors, our inner critics, and our exiles. How we relate to them, how they can run our lives, how we can heal from them internally, how we heal with others. And 
really letting go of our burdens and not just tolerating people in our life because they're family or because they're our bosses. And it was so good. It's on, I think you can rent it on Amazon now. Please go support this movie. All right, Billions, season five. I don't want to say too much, but one of the characters there is the in-house like therapist coach to this trading firm, this investment firm. She's amazing. And there's this scene where she's just like, you better work on the pains of your story or else it's going to keep kicking your butt and infecting what you're doing today with your life and your business. And I'm like, yes. Anyways, there was lots of that where just their burdens of their story were just jacking up how they were leading themselves and leading their work and leading others. So it's a juicy one. Okay, I just want to give a shout out to Nine Strangers. It was on Hulu. It it was good. It was hard. The performances were stunning. I mean, Melissa McCarthy and Nicole Kidman. I mean, the scenery is beautiful, but it was a powerful commentary to me on self-help and the dangers of like relentlessly pursuing personal development too at all costs. So any of the shows that portrayed COVID that they were so healing to me, Grey's Anatomy and Law and Order SVU, the show called New Amsterdam, they had these shows that I felt like helped me recognize because I kind of could see from the outside in what happened, you know, several months later, a year later, and it was so healing to me and really grateful for those shows and just to see the impact of COVID, of the racial unrest, of the political unrest and they did such a good job and really the attention to detail in those shows. But most of them were aired, I think, last at uh, the beginning of the year uh, from January to spring. Just stunning. The morning show, Jennifer Aniston, like her character in particular. Oh, gosh. I mean, the clothes, for one thing. But this show, all of the characters, the acting, even just their facial expressions, their dynamics, their relationships with each other, they nailed it. They nailed some of these dynamics of staff to those who are the personalities and the face. It was so good. Matt Haig, he wrote The Midnight Library, but he also had this beautiful movie based on one of his books called A Boy Called Christmas. So sweet. Check it out. Jennifer Hudson in Respect. It was so well done, really identifying her tragic story in such a way that didn't minimize it, but didn't make it exploitive. Okay, a few more. Only Murder in the Building, Martin Short, who I literally had a boss that looked like Martin Short. Steve Martin, who I've been a fan of his for so many years, but Shop Girl, I have a special place in my heart. And if you know, you know, and Selena Gomez, amazing. This is us. I mean, again, navigating so much that's happened in the last 18 months. So well done. Cruel Summer on the CW. The music, the family dynamics, growing up, a mystery with a twist. So good. You, <laughs> it's creepy, but there are these therapy scenes where this couple, main couple, they go to therapy. And normally I see therapists portrayed horribly. I actually thought they did a good job, but what was trippy, and she was giving them helpful advice, but not knowing that she had complete sociopaths on her couch. So anyways, it was just wild. Cobra, Gen X Heaven, Colin in black and white. My family really had some powerful and important conversations. The way that to see Colin himself narrate his story in the back. Oh, so good. For All Mankind on Apple Plus. 
such a good, it was like a revisionist history of going to the moon and addressing sexism and racism and power dynamics and politics. It was really well done given everything going on in the world. One of the best shows I've seen in a long time, all American and CW. I kept resisting watching it. And then I like ended up binging all the seasons really good, really interesting and good stuff to talk about in the family fatherhood with Kevin Hart, love, loss, career, single parenting, all of this stuff, just beautiful. And then Amazon Prime had the closing shows of Goliath and Bosch and those characters like, you know, complicated, dark, want to do the right thing. So there we go. That's a long list of my pop culture. It was a big part of my year too. What worked this year? I'm going to shift to that. My self-care practices. Whenever I went to bed on time, hydrated, took my supplements, fed well, moved well, talked to myself well, boom. It's simple, but it's not simple. It's not complex. There we go. But I just really have to stick to that and commit to myself and not betray my own boundaries. Deepening my IFS capacity and my practices increased my capacity for more awkward and uncomfortable vulnerable moments that sucked. And so I didn't turn on myself, right? In my work with my coaching consulting, using Voxer really has been a joy and effective getting real-time connection and feedback instead of a lot of emails. And it's just a good fit for me. Focusing on scheduling things to look forward to. When I hit my languishing, as Adam Grant called it, last spring, I had this like weird week or two. I And I was like, what brings me joy? And I actually didn't know how to answer that. It was weird. But I realized I want to I want to really invest in concerts and shows and travel to beautiful places near the water. And as long as I have a couple of those on regularly, I don't need much. But that was really important. Working towards less deadlines, you know, so focusing more on less. I used that saying, you know, your eyes are bigger than your stomach for my eyes are bigger than my calendar. And really honing in that I'm not going to get everything done I want, but still holding some things out there. You know, working with Lorena, we realized we're for a while letting Asana boss us around. And so I had to say, okay, Asana's not the boss of us. We're the boss of Asana. So let's take a look at the deadlines we've set and let's get rid of these or figure out how to do them in a way that we check in on these things if we have time. But what are the priorities? And I got really good at communicating to Lorena, Lorena, hey, these are my focuses right now. Everything else is not a priority and just adjusting that, you know, in my structured schedule, my flow of meeting with clinical clients, my leadership and coaching and consulting clients, time for the podcast and, and working from home really worked. I was really thinking seriously about it before COVID hit. And this is the first full year I had my clinical practice hundred percent online and the second year I'm wrapping up of my coaching and consulting practice and it's really worked. what did I learn? I learned a lot. And I, I just love to share some of a few key learnings through my guests. Teresi's, she talked about her four life directives. And the first one was just being honest. And it really got me thinking about, we told to be honest, but we're not taught how to be honest and what capacities we need to be honest and the nuance and the art of honesty with ourselves first and foremost. So 
just really digging into honesty and what that means. Audrey McLaughlin, who was on last March, founder of one of my favorite apparel companies, she is amazing. I mean, the story of what she did with her company with lockdown and her story. Oh, I hope you check it out. And she kept sharing these like failures upon failures. And and we teased out that for her being stuck was way worse than failing. Failing was, ah, but to feel trapped or stuck, that really came from her family of origin. So that stuck with me. And I agree. I really resonated with that. Maria Seal, who was just on that success does not feel good. You know, like you can work hard for something and realize this is not really, I've outgrown what I thought, you know, I wanted. And that outgrowing out of a, out of a dream is not a bad thing. It's just data, right? Um, I've learned this year too, that deconstructing and unlearning is awkward and downright painful. I've really leaned on Brene Brown's braving the wilderness as a reminder of loneliness the loneliness of true belonging and what it means to belong to myself and not to externalize my belonging, though I desperately need, we all desperately need community. Rosalind Wiseman, I used to always talk about choosing respect, and I believe that to an extent, but Rosalind talked about how she really, really believes in choosing dignity more so than respect. And so that was really inspired by that conversation. So learning that dignity is really what I want to strive for even more than respect. And Dr. Ref Rodriguez, his powerful fall and rising story, he really was an example of someone who's done the work. So when they reflected really hard things that happened to them, in part because a lot of part because of their choices, he didn't ask, why did this happen to me? He asked, what got me here? And that is a question that's staying with me. And then Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza just really emphasized the power of table fellowship, having a meal with someone and really that building community, old school relationship, my relationship, meal by meal. And that fits with our love for hospitality and our family. What didn't work for me? Tiffany Bloom was on, on the podcast too and talked a lot about the impact as being a bystander, the negative impacts on being a bystander. And anytime I was, it did not work. It did not land well and sit well. Skimping on sleep, overcommitting even to good things, working over rest, not picking my battles well, especially in my marriage, uh, betraying my own boundaries and deadlines, not working. It didn't work that I didn't recognize when languishing snuck up on me, partly because I love what I do so much. My certainty anchors this year, my IFS and shame resilience practices, my Peloton, my faith practices, my structure, my work, this podcast, family and friends and nature were all powerful, powerful and important certainty anchors this year. Oh, gosh. Face down moments, struggles and experiences that shook me January 6th. And I'll talk about that in the next podcast, but I realized had my own vicarious trauma from it, had some really hard parenting moments and hard personal conversations that didn't go well, but I still took a lot out of it, but it was hard. I don't know about you, but I'm a big word of the year person. So my words for 2021 were enough and expand and enough was more about like 
finding my enough, how much, what's my enough for money, for playtime, for work, for family, all those things. And, and I feel like I got more clarity on it and expand was really to expand my reach outside, but I ended up just really expanding more internally, my relationship with myself and my system. My word for 2022 is going to be slow. And I realized I wanted more presence, patience, permission, practice, focus, intention, and they all require slow. I realized the times that I I hurt someone's feelings or there was a miss in communication when I was rushing, just trying to get something done. And I really, really want to stop that. So yeah, slow. And again, if I want more patience and presence and permission, practice, it just means slowing down. And I used to think slow was a bad word and my nervous system couldn't handle it, but I think I'm ready for it this year. And let me wrap up. Let's see. In 2022, I'm going to say no to overbooking, rushing, quick responses, betraying my own boundaries, and being nice instead of kind. Nice, I always say, is appeasing and complicit, and kind is loving and generous. So really working towards that. In 2022, I'm going to say yes to more concerts and travel as it makes sense with all things pandemic. More writing for fun, not just deadlines, deeper connections, music and photography, more healing, more baking, cooking, more social gatherings in our backyard with old and new friends, Um, more training and practices focusing on somatics. I've got some cool trainings that are coming up in the new year. Signed up for Resma's somatic abolitionist training in 2022. Really excited about that and other trainings on what it means to be really an embodied, unburdened leader, as opposed to just focusing on mindset and cognitive strategies. So yeah, so my commitments in 2022 that support me physically, again, it's just, I always say feed well, move well, rest well, hydrate well, talk to myself well. Mentally, emotionally, I need to get away from the screen as much as possible and just connect with people outside of work, even if it's for small snippets, I think same goes relationally. Spiritually, my Sunday school class is my anchor and I, I've been there intermittent just because of all the things, but I need to get back to there because it is it is a spiritual practice being there. And then financially, just to continue to focus on my commitments for the future, to not have money impact my worthiness, value, or safety, but to be generous with it myself, with my family, and with others and to continue to figure out like how we can be more generous with that while just being being good stewards of what we've been given. So there you go. There's a little bit of my debrief. I hope that was interesting to you. And again, thank you for listening to my annual debrief. And let me know if this is something that was beneficial because we're thinking of maybe doing this as an annual tradition. And I'd love to hear from you. Email me, DM me on Instagram. What is your word of the year? What stands out to you with your reflections? What are you grateful for this year? I am genuinely excited for what 2022 will bring us. And I know we have some fights ahead of us as a culture and I believe we can weather them well if we continue to reflect and learn and don't go it alone. Leading is hard. Leading is also often controversial as you navigate staying aligned to your values, your mission, your boundaries. 
navigating the inevitable controversy can challenge your confidence, clarity, and calm. Now, I know you don't mind making the hard decisions, but sometimes the stakes seem higher and can bring up echoes of old doubts and insecurities during times when you need to feel rock solid on your plan and action. Finding a coach who gets the nuance of your business and leading in our complex and polarized world can help you identify the blocks that keep you playing it safe and small. Leading today is not a fancy title or fluffy bragging rights. It is brave and bold work to stay the course when the future is so unknown and the doubts and pains from the past keep showing up to shake things up. Internal emotional practices and systemic strategies are needed to keep the protector of cynicism at bay and foster a hope that is both actionable and aligned. So when the stakes are high and you don't want to lose focus, When you want to navigate inevitable conflict between your ears and with those you lead, when time is of the essence and you want to make hard decisions with confidence and clarity, then Unburdened Leader Coaching is for you and where you deepen the capacity to tolerate the vulnerability of change, innovation, and doing things differently than the status quo. To start your Unburdened Leader Coaching process with me, go to www.rebeccaching.com and book a free connection call. I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining me for this solo episode of The Unburdened Leader. You can sign up for my weekly Unburdened Leader email, find this episode, show notes, and free Unburdened Leader resources along with ways to work with me at www.rebeccaching.com.